0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, friends, taxpayers and forgotten Americans to the one and only conservative review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house on December 9th here on Monday. Another long week ahead of us where the week has already begun even before Sunday. Right when we finished uh, recording our Friday show with Derek Maltz, great show if you haven't heard it by now, we obviously had the tragic news of Pensacola. And, you know, you look at the beginning of this week and the contours and trajectory of the news cycle, or what the news cycle should be, you have civilization-killing immigration policies that not only bring millions of middle easterners on our shores but bring them to our naval bases while our soldiers are unarmed by the way on our naval bases we have the washington post expose nothing really new in my mind but certainly a lot of information on how the entire afghan war at least as it continued past the initial goal was a sham and built on known lives You have obviously our continued sanctuary city crisis. You have endless cases of repeat offenders, just murdering people, raping people, subway attacks everywhere as Republicans join with Democrats on this goal of emptying out the prisons. And in any other time, we would have had another story that would have made headlines, but now it's all but forgotten over the weekend, the president announces that he is going back on his promise. He is listening to the deep state and the swamp, and he is not going to designate the Mexican cartels as terrorists. This, and then not to mention what we're going to talk about tomorrow, we spoke about last week as well, where the Democrats and the Soros machine is outgunning us in every single county, bullying county officials, state officials, to accept refugee resettlement, which ties back into the security issues of the Pensacola shooting. It ties back into our immigration policies broadly. It ties back into our the juxtaposition of our national security versus our homeland security, our foreign policy, our military policy, as juxtaposed to our immigration, homeland security policies. And all the while, over the next two weeks, really the next week, we have the culmination of an annual appropriations bill, and the national defense authorization bill, which authorizes military programs, where we have the, the, the ability to use those to jumpstart a national debate on the most vital issues to our civilization in a way that is also politically auspicious to any party that would be willing to push those agenda items. That's quite a tall order of an agenda. Yet none of that is even registering. Today, just like last week, just like the week before, just like the week before that, impeachment, impeachment, the Horowitz report, that is Michael Horowitz, <laughs> the Inspector General of DOJ, not um, Daniel Horowitz, I guess the Inspector General of all our government, doing the job no one else in the media will do. And here we are stuck with home field advantage. Trump is president. We have the opportunity to do so much on so many issues. And yet, we don't even have a movement getting in Trump's face, making the play calls after you have major events that the public is outraged over. If we only just poured pour gasoline on it, we would win on these issues. We would back the Democrats into a corner. But we don't have a movement. So Pensacola is all but forgotten. I mean, you look in the news now, it's not even, doesn't register. But this is an unbelievable story on so many levels. What it portends for the dyslexic military agenda of our military leaders, our foreign policy thinkers, our national security thinkers, our immigration policies, obviously, and our our gun policies, and just the image of America. You know, this happened hours before the 78th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. As we mentioned this happened on Friday, December 7th, the day that will live on in infamy was Saturday. But in many ways we looked more humiliated and pathetic on Friday than we did 78 years ago on Pearl Harbor. Even though obviously that, you know, there were over 2000 people killed, here it was it was only 3 individuals, but in terms of the image of America. See there it was known that Japan had built up a navy. And an air force for quite some time that finally found the ability to at least reach our Hawaiian naval base, and we were unprepared, and we didn't we, we we didn't have a navy and an air force that they had, and we had to start from scratch, and build up and meet that kinetic force with kinetic force. What we have here is the self-immolation of a nation. That not only wastes our time, a trillion dollars in Afghanistan, several trillion dollars in Iraq and Syria and elsewhere, over 2,300 lives lost in Afghanistan, over 3,000 lost in Iraq, tens of thousands wounded, all to referee multi-faceted tribal Islamic civil wars and nation build for Kabul, for Raqqa, for Baghdad, for Mogadishu but it's worse than that now only do we send our soldiers overseas to die for nothing to die on the sword of islam we then bring them in in masses to our soil in the most counterintuitive national security agenda imaginable and then now we even bring them onto our naval bases oh and by the way Our soldiers are unarmed on our naval bases. So foreign military trainees could somehow get a hold of weapons. And and, and we're sitting ducks on our own naval bases, on our own soil. That, my friends, is the death of Rome. That is the fall of a civilization. (sighs) Before I get into the fundamentals of cultural jihad, suicidal immigration policies, suicidal military mindset and and dyslexic foreign policy. I just a quick note on the gun aspect of this. So many of you understand obviously the insanity of having a gun-free zone, a mall, a school, anywhere where there's no ironclad security, so it's not like you could stop a gunman, so a gunman could just come in, but no one else is allowed to carry. So he knows that you're all sitting ducks and, and he's the only one who could carry a weapon. But you think, OK, at least on a naval base. Well, man, there's got to be airtight security. So, OK, you can't carry, but a bad guys can't carry either. Well, I don't know if you've got you guys have seen any stories on this. I have not seen answers on this. How in the world this Al-Shamari, Muhammad Al-Shamari um, dude was able to get a gun on on the campus there. But he did. And nobody else had a gun. Could, could you imagine? We have the most powerful Navy in the world. We spend hundreds of billions every year on it. And yet, this guy was shot dead by two sheriff's deputies, county sheriff's deputies in Pensacola
1: on a naval base.
0: How embarrassing is that? So just. as a a starting point the notion that we wouldn't have an immediate clamor that at least officer level or a certain level of soldier on a military base should carry we saw this with chattanooga which was an islamic terror attack we saw this with um fort hood why is that not happening again We're going to talk about civilization and policy today, but I'm also going to to talk about politics. And that is. We have so many issues for which Trump intuitively agrees with us, but the swamp is in the other direction. He has his own flaws. He has his own confusions and we can make the play calls in his ear, make the pass, make the play. And yet we have no one doing it. So it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Trump could order this unilaterally as commander in chief. And then also, by the end of the week, the House-Senate conference committees are going to finalize what's considered a must-pass military authorization bill, the NDAA, for fiscal year 2020. That provision should be in there right away. That at least officers, U.S. military officers, that is, on U.S. bases, should be able to carry weapons. So that's, that's an easy one. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of this. So by now, everyone knows the story here that this individual came in presumably on an A-2 visa in August 2017, when Trump was already president. A Saudi um, Royal Air Force member came in to train with our military because see it's very important that we train the Saudi military because it's very the important thing is not keeping their boots off our ground it's that we have our boots in their wars and then we will even bring their boots here to train them there okay now what is very unsettling about this and this is still going on AP reported that as many as 10 people were under suspicion we already know at least three were at a um watch party with this al shamari guy uh a couple days before watching violent shootings um clearly they were in on it well, at least one guy was videoing it can you imagine that we invite in saudi pilots to train on a naval base and they're able to just shoot with impunity and we, we can't you know, shoot, shoot back, no one has weapons. And another, another guy we evidently let in that's, that's unnamed was filming it, a couple others were watching it. You know, let me tell you something. If there is an article of impeachment here, if there is an act that warrants impeachment, it's this. And I understand this started before Trump, I get it. But if Trump does not respond by immediately arming our military officers on our bases. number one. And number two, at a very minimum, placing a moratorium on foreign military trainees on our naval bases here, suspending the A-2 visas, and at a very minimum, across the border, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, suspending immigration and visas from Saudi Arabia, putting them on the travel ban list, then you know what? Maybe you should be impeached because this is a gross violation of his promise i didn't realize this until i researched this for my column today the president's infamous muslim ban statement do you know when that was issued during the campaign december 7th 2015 the 74th anniversary of pearl harbor and there was a lot of profundity to that i don't know if the president designed it that way and there was any juxtaposition to that But I mean, could you imagine after Pearl Harbor, our government responded by saying, hey, let's triple immigration from Japan and let's train some Japanese fighter pilots. So, you know, after after we had 15 Saudi hijackers fly planes and planes into the Pentagon and the World Trade Center, We had a brilliant idea. We started the King Abdullah Scholarship Program around 2004 to bring in what became a flow of about 40,000 Saudi students. I'm not getting to the military training yet, about 750, 850 of them. But in all of our civilian universities, about 40,000 a year we bring in. The president said the following on December 7th, and this is at its core what he was elected to do. Without looking at the various polling data, it is obvious to anybody the hatred, meaning of the jihadists, the hatred is beyond comprehension. Where this hatred comes from and why, we will have to determine. Until we are able to to determine and understand this problem and the dangerous threat it poses, our country cannot be the victims of horrendous attacks by people that believe only in jihad and have no sense of reason or respect for human life. That was a very profound statement because... See, even some of the conservatives that talk about this, they talk about it in in a very politically correct way. They use the word vetting. Oh, we need to better vet. But the question is, and this is what the president brought up, how the hell do you vet a jihadist mentality to to paraphrase Dianne Feinstein, what she said against Catholic judges like Amy Barrett wrongfully, but I think actually rightfully applies to, to Muslims, is the dogma lives loudly inside of them. How do you bring in, and I'm gonna, as I'm talking, I'm gonna put up a chart here. My own chart, I, I aggregated all the data. I added up the number of green cards we have issued to 47 predominant Muslim countries since 9-11. 2.3 million. We doubled and tripled it after 9-11. Look at that list. It's going to be posted in our show links on my my column has the thing so you could see how many people we have let in from Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, roughly 100,000 people from Afghanistan. We have nothing to show from that war other than bringing 100,000 people. How do you vet that? There's nothing to vet. There's nothing to vet. And I'm going to explain why there's nothing to vet. The story here everyone's talking about is that, oh, my gosh, these are highly, highly sensitive, cooperative, collaborative um, foreign military training programs where they uh, are housed on our military bases. They attend our military classes. These are the most vetted people. And everyone's kind of laughing about it. But the truth is, it is correct. Relatively speaking, they are the most vetted people. And nonetheless, you still see. A guy, and you can't blame it on poverty or destitution. I mean, this guy had a very promising career as a pilot. And evidently, at least up to 10 other people might be involved. And at least several clearly are involved. Of the most vetted people, the question nobody is asking, of course we should shut off this A2 foreign military training program, which at this point, I don't even know if Trump's going to do that. And we're going to get to that. Trump's reaction. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper's reaction, very muted, very PC, very mealy mouth. A lot of equivocating, won't even call it terrorism. And given Trump's relationship and Jared Kushner's relationship with the Saudi government, I think we know why. And that's very disturbing. In any other context, if Trump were running for office, he would have been all over this. He's been awfully quiet. And what he has said has been really weak. Why wouldn't the president? Take yes for an answer. This isn't the ultimate, see, I told you so. This is exactly why we needed the moratorium from the Middle East. And not just five countries. As you see from my list, last year we brought in 157,000. It's barely gone down under Trump. It's gone down off the final peak year, 2016. The last year of Obama was the biggest year ever. He brought in the most people. But otherwise, it's pretty much what we are doing the whole time. Even from Iran. We've given so many waivers. We've brought in, uh, you could see, um I have two columns there. One is 2001 to 2018. I don't have 2019 data yet. This is 18 years of data. Um, and one is just the year 2018. So that's already after the travel ban was implemented. We've already brought in over a thousand Iranians. They got waivers.
1: So, um, you know, it was officially. What is it? Somalia, Syria, Iran, Libya, and Yemen. We haven't even banned Sudan. And South Sudan, we brought a tremendous
0: amount that's going up. Iraq. Bangladesh. Pakistan, Afghanistan, Turkey. Turkey, it's really going up, by the way. Egypt. Again, too many people are focused on the governmental aspect, the foreign affairs. Oh, the Saudi government. I know the Saudi government is relatively better under MBS, but this has nothing to do with, the, with, with MBS. In fact, as I've noted before, the better some of the leaders get into the country, in, in some of these countries like al-Sisi in Egypt, the more dangerous immigration is because likely we're going to be getting a lot of the people that are running away from Sisi and MBS's Clamp down on the muslim brotherhood that's what happened under sadat in the 1970s the first wave of muslim brotherhood into america when MPAC and isna and ikna and um, care began in this country was from those people that came in the 70s they were fleeing sadat because he made peace with israel and he you know went after the muslim brotherhood he was later assassinated by them so like a lot of people are telling me oh daniel all mbs is don't I'm not saying to go to war with MBS. I'm just saying to call MBS and say, dude, hey, you got problems with your people. You know it as well as we do. We ain't bringing them in. We could still cooperate on things. Foreign policy wise, That has nothing to do with anything. But no degree of foreign policy prerogative overseas is worth the security breach of bringing them to our homeland because the point the end goal of any national security or foreign policy agenda is homeland security the cornerstone as the 9-11 commission said of of national security ends and begins with immigration policy if you don't bring them here they can't come here to have an, to, to attack you because unlike in Pearl Harbor with the Japanese, nobody at this point could rival us with a Navy or an Air Force and come here. It's asymmetrical. They come here through visas, sometimes the border. But that's the story. If even people with a promising future and that are super vetted are are like this, how much more so, how many of the 2.3 million people that we have brought in from Middle East or North African countries on green cards, not to mention over a million student visas from those countries, 40,000 a year alone from Saudi Arabia, where there's much less vetting. You're not coming in as a military trainee on a naval base. You're coming in as a you know, university student or as a chain migrant, as a relative of another person we shouldn't have let into the country. But this is the thing. Trump could end this tomorrow. We can make a fight in a budget bill tomorrow. And by the way, the Democrats are trapped on this issue because the whole Khashoggi thing going after Saudi Arabia and the MBS, they made Saudi Arabia out to be like an enemy. Well, if they're an enemy, if we're at war with them, why are we taking immigrants? Why are we taking visas? The American people hate the Saudis. This is a 90-10 issue. Make a budget fight over it. Again, Trump could do this unilaterally. You don't need Congress.
1: Not a word from the president.
0: Now I want you guys to listen right here to Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, another complete loser. This is what he said about the need to keep this military training program, uh, despite an audit. Listen to the audio here. Now, why is that important? Not just
1: because of safety, but overall, these types of programs exchanges are very important to our national security. We have something that our potential adversaries, such as Russia and China, don't have, which is an elaborate system of alliances and partnerships. And the ability to bring foreign students here to to train with us, to understand American culture, is very important to us building
0: those long term relationships that keep us safer. There you have it. That is the mindset of our military leadership, civilian and military in the Pentagon. They're so oriented towards the need to do operations overseas that they're willing to gear everything towards that. Well, we need to train them to go there. How about you don't bring them here, so therefore you don't need to go there? Have you ever thought about that? Their entire mission is screwed up. Their entire mindset is screwed up in the military. Meanwhile, there's all sorts of stories. They're out there. They're now banning on the dog tags, biblical verses. Remember we spoke about the assault on, on traditional values in the military. You got that. They're instead focused on how to change the armor for combat because of women. That, that, that's their big uh, focus. I mean, our military is broken. The leadership is broken. We need to start from scratch. These are all the play calls conservatives could be calling to the president. But absent that, I, I wonder, based on Esper's comments, if we're even going to get a suspension of even this relatively small program. About 5,000 people total, 850 Saudis. But the bigger thing is, what about the 40,000 a year Saudi students? How many of them believe in that? See, this is what everyone gets wrong with the vetting. The Chattanooga shooter. He came here when he was two years old. There's nothing to vet. The Chattanooga shooter. Here's another thing. The Chattanooga shooter, if you remember, um, He, if you ever saw a picture of his parents' home in Chattanooga, it was a nice home and had a pool. He had a promising life. They weren't like the Somalis um, that are kind of poor. Uh, A lot of them were wealthy. Remember, we spoke about this. um, This was uh, a couple months ago over the summer. You had this Iraqi who came already in the 80s. So he was one of the first immigrants from there came here early, Abdul Majid Maruf Ahmed Alani, and he worked for American Airlines in Miami, but he was wealthy enough, obviously, to travel back and forth from California. He lived there, was a mechanic, earned a nice living, clearly. And one day, he decides to stuff foam into um, the commercial plane's navigation system. And he was caught on surveillance video, and later the FBI found um, jihadist videos on... On um his phone and then other just things he said, and relatives that suspect he might have connections with terrorists in Iraq, and I was thinking like here here again, a guy that has earned a great living in America much better than he would have done in Iraq. you can't blame it on socioeconomics, but the end he was here since the eighties and, and and he was an older guy too. he might have been in his fifties um he wasn't you know, the prime jihadist age of the twenties, but that's what jihad is. That's what the president said. Why should we be on the hook to vet? Oh, we need better vetting. Well, who the hell says we need to bring in 180,000 Muslim immigrants a year and 150,000 foreign students from the same countries every year, and then be on the hook? Well, who has jihadist proclivities? Well, gee, I don't know. It's not our responsibility To figure that out. You know, every time there's a mass shooting, the Democrats will push policy on gun control. God bless them. They fight for their agenda. But every time there's one of these, we succeed in nothing in moving the ball on immigration. And the difference is, gun control doesn't work. Plus, guns are an unalienable right to Americans, whereas immigration is not a right. And if you don't let in Islamic terrorists, They can't attack you because it's an external problem. Now, at this point, yeah, they're here. But again, that's a redundant manifestation of bad immigration policies. And again, this has been a known problem. We've reported about this endlessly.
1: With 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 Afghanistan.
0: We go there, get twenty four hundred soldiers killed, trillion dollars spent. And then we brought hundreds of Afghani military to our our sold our our naval bases our air air force bases at fort worth several hundred of them the inspector general of the Af- afghanistan reconstruction reported mr spock
1: this is a couple of months ago that they went awol
0: now ice eventually tracked them down but a whole number of them wound up applying for status to stay here, and I think they did.
1: Invade the world. Invite
0: the world. It's unbelievable. You'll see on my chart. We have nothing to show from Afghanistan, aside from the blood and the cost, but 100,000 Afghani immigrants. And, 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 And now you understand, like, all these, even some of these, like, military groups, they're all, like, We, how dare you? These people helped us as contractors and translators in Afghanistan. We need to give them, we owe it to them to bring them here. But I mean, that's the point. Jihad is jihad. That's all these green on blue attacks. You can't trust them. Some of them inevitably will prosper and do fine and they'll like America. But how many won't? A hell of a lot of them don't. In other words, you can't just look And how many go kinetic and commit terror attacks? But how many, if you read the manifesto that's presumably put out by this al Shamari guy, how many subscribe to that mentality? Why should we bring that to our shores? If under Trump, when he is proven right in the most spectacular fashion, he can't even add Saudi Arabia, much less at least 10, 20 other countries, to the list. What's the point? What is the point? And this is the thing. You know, talk about vetting. Just last month, we reported on this case of this spouse of a Saudi student. So this is a civilian university. Came here on an F2 visa. And applied for flight training in Oklahoma. And we only caught him because of a fluke. But it turned out this guy trained in the al Farouk training camp in Afghanistan. The same place the 9-11 hijackers came in. Saudi coming in as a foreign student. As one of the hijackers did. 15 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. For flight training. A decade after 9-11. This could still happen. One could not possibly conjure up a more dyslexic array of immigration policies juxtaposed to foreign policy and military policy. It's just, it's just truly unbelievable. Truly, truly unbelievable.
1: But you know what? The inspector general report
0: on the FISA is going to come out at one o'clock. This thing is, this thing is done. How much do you bet Trump will never add them to the list. And again, this has nothing to do with, like, I said this last year during the whole Khashoggi business, when both Republicans and Democrats were signing with Qatar and Turkey over Saudi Arabia on behalf of this stupid Washington Post pro-Al Qaeda person who should have never been let into this country getting butchered by by MBS's folks. And I, I said... Dude, like, that's not our fight. I mean, I, if anything, I agree with Saudi Arabia. I mean, whether they should have done that or not is a different story. But in general, on a geopolitical scene, I agree with them. This has nothing to do with being anti-MBS. I'm actually, ironically, more pro-MBS. But, it, but the problem is not like, oh, MBS and the Saudi government sent someone to shoot. Me. No, they didn't send this guy. I mean, whatever. It's, it's a low-level guy in their air force. He doesn't have control over his people. He'll tell you that firsthand. He has very tenuous control over that military. Even within the family, there's warring factions, but certainly the people. So the government of Jordan cooperates with us. The government of Egypt, increasingly, most Muslim government leaders are actually not like Iran. Iran, Qatar, and Turkey are problematic. Most others aren't. But are you going to go and bring in their people? The pe- that's a different story. It's not a vetting thing. It's a cultural thing. When are we going to realize that? Look at what the guy said in his manifesto. Look at what Trump said. Four years to the date. December 7th. And here we are and we barely have a slowdown from five countries. My article just came out.
1: It has the, um, the numbers. But this is where we are. You know what's so uh, ironic? This guy,
0: Muhammad Al Shamari, the guy who's believed to have been the suspect at Pensacola. This story is from CNN. I know some of you have passed this around. Just came out the same day on Friday. For the first time, Muhammad is one of the top most popular baby names for boys in the United States, according to data from the parenting website Baby Center. Muhammad ranks at number 10 up four spots from last year. The name has been climbing steadily on Baby Center's rankings over the years and first entered the top 100 in 2013. Again, look at my chart on the amount of immigration we've had from the Middle East broken down by 47 countries, and you'll see why. This is what we did after 9-11. We send our soldiers to die on behalf of building their countries and getting their necks chopped off between warring tribal Islamic factions. And then we bring them here in droves, including on our own military bases, to kill our military men on our soil. I'm sorry, I can't get hyped up about impeachment with this going on. This demonstrates everything I've been saying. Not just on the actual issue of immigration, do's and don'ts on military and foreign policy but just politically on the focus of this broken broken conservative movement this broken broken republican party that is doped up on morphine and they don't get how we are not gaining ground on anything even with trump in charge i could blame trump for everything and he has his share of blame but a lot of it's also remember trump wanted to get out of afghanistan There was no firestorm from the right to back him. Trump wanted a broader moratorium on immigration. There was no movement to back him. And Trump was open to designating the cartels as terrorists. How many people talked about it? What, the people that are associated with me on this show? Me, Derek Maltz, Jason Jones, Chip Roy. (laughs) I mean, everyone associated with the show pretty much. How many other people spoke about it? Brandon Darby, obviously, from Breitbart, Texas. He's been doing that for many years. Um, Kudos to him. But how many other people? So the same broken military, intel, national security apparatus that had his his priorities completely backwards are the ones that are going to vehemently say, this is horrible, this is not feasible. So he'll listen to them. How much longer are we going to go on like this? But you know what? It gets worse. It gets worse. So what I'm getting at is that a couple minutes, literally a couple minutes before the Pensacola attack became public, I put out an article warning all of you about a piece of legislation winding its way through the Republican-controlled Senate by Republican chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, Senator James Rish. Of the state of Idaho, yes, there is no such thing as a red state, as loyal listeners know by now, um, pushing a mandate to prioritize more unvetted Syrian and Iraqi refugees. And what was amazing is the Bill S-2641. So a lot of you, again, want to know what could you do when well, you got to get on the phone with you, with the White House and your member of Congress, and say, this bill needs to be voted down, S-2641, the Promoting American National Security and Preventing the Resurgence of ISIS Act of 2019. And a couple minutes later, the Pensacola attack happened, and I was thinking to myself, these guys don't get it. The attack brought out this point. Go over there get involved in their affairs, do everything we can militarily for their affairs, so much so that as a result of that, and in order in their minds to facilitate it, we bring more of their immigrants to our shores, and we call that national security. It's mentally ill. But as I note, what this bill does is it's open-ended language. It's unbelievable. So not only does it invite... so, So anyway, just... I'm running ahead of myself um, because we're running out of time. So I'm just trying to talk very quickly. But this is being billed as a sanctions bill against Erdogan. Now, as you all know, it's not that they care about Erdogan suddenly. It's that um, orange man bad. It's because they want to get at Trump. But, you know, to be fair, Trump. The same way he's been a little bit weak on Saudi Arabia, he's been weak on Erdogan. Not that I disagree with him pulling out of Syria. No, he should. But why is he hugging Erdogan? um but in the way that we should be sanctioning erdogan we don't do namely the way he affects our homeland bringing in immigrants and the muslim brotherhood subversion and the funding of um, of american mosques to radicalize them remember this is sponsored by every democrat on the foreign relations committee and a number of republicans rish Corey Gardner from Colorado, Marco Rubio from Florida, John Barrasso from Wyoming, Rob Portman from Ohio, Johnny Isaacson from Georgia, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, Red States Galore. This is what we have. By the way, it was written by Bob Menendez. That, that's, that's the joke. Um, whose IQ is a lot higher than that of Rish. I mean, these are the type of senators we have. Every one of them, every one of them is a fool. So, anyway. What does this bill do? It invites as like somehow this is like sticking it to Erdogan. I mean, I don't get it, but it doesn't sanction him from funding mosques. Remember, all these people admit that he's a bad person and needs to be sanctioned. Right. Wow. They finally agree with me. Great. Um, So then we got a problem here because Erdogan once said that the purpose of him funding mosques in America and Europe is, quote, spreading Islam's values, embracing the whole of humanity, and our Prophet's message of love and compassion. But, bipartisan agreement here, that he, he is not about love and compassion, so you are, by your own admission, allowing him to fund that. That's not where they sanction it. It's all, whatever, mumbo-jumbo stuff. Then there is Section 202 of this bill. It invites in, and it says that you have to prioritize all Syrian Kurds. Now, as you well know, Syrian Kurds are not Iraqi Kurds. They are the PKK, Marxists. Now, frankly, I don't care if they give Erdogan a hard time. I'd rather them them over Erdogan. But we don't need to be making any determination for immigration. Why are we going in to the worst cesspools of seven-way bad guys fighting each other and saying I'm gonna decide to fight one of them and then anyone who helps us, the six other players. With that one, we're going to bring them in. So not only does it invite the Syrian Kurds, but it invites any stateless persons who habitually reside in Syria and other Syrians who partnered with or worked for directly with the United States government or a governmental organization or an entity that received a grant from the government. Heck, the the Saudis funded a lot of this. Do you know what that means? That means anyone who worked with us against ISIS... That's Assad's people. That is the IRGC. And it does it in Iraq and as well as Syria. So in Iraq, we literally had Americans who are on bases with the Hezbollah brigades, the Shiite militias run by Qasem Soleimani. That's what we fought for. You can't this whole vacuum of f- focusing on ISIS in a vacuum, and then anyone who helps us bring them in. It invites everyone from Syria and Iraq to be prioritized. So you can't even vet them. Not that I believe you can anyway. And then it cleverly inserts a provision to ensure that it's not counted against the refugee cap, which Trump said at 18,000. So none of these would be subject to the cap. Invade the world. Invite the world. This is Orwellian beyond belief. But it's I mean, look at that. States Trump carried by 30 points. Marsha Blackburn. Barrasso in Wyoming. Rish in Idaho. You got, of course, Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio, his state just got attacked by this very thing. These people helped us militarily. Well, we bring in military trainees, now we have 10 Saudis, at least under suspicion. And again, the question is this. I don't know the exact number of how many... They they say about 850 um, military trainees from Saudi Arabia, probably at least as many from Afghanistan. I'm not sure which other Islamic countries we do it. Maybe a little bit Egypt. God knows if it's Turkey, too. Um, I'd like like to know that. And let's try to find that out. But let's say it's a few thousand. How many more share Al-Shamari's view of, of America? That's what I'd like to know. How many aren't like, man, America is awesome. I hate where I come from. I'm sure glad they're giving me this opportunity to train. How many? Shouldn't that be a basic question? You know, we talk a lot with immigration about public charge. Are you high skilled or low skilled? And and that's important. We certainly only want people that will benefit us fiscally. But what's even more foundational Shouldn't we all agree that we will only bring in people who love America? Is that too much to ask? (sighs) But this is what it is. The answer to everything is more immigration. Deep red state Republicans support this. Why? Because you could only have a, a, a party that commits political adultery one minute after another on a movement if the movement is fake and and is perfidious and wants to go along with it. We just want the comedic relief. I didn't even get to everything the courts are doing. The conservative Supreme Court just put a moratorium on the federal death penalty or the death penalty done by the federal government as opposed to state governments. Civilization killing issues. Crime, oh my gosh, the stories I'm going to have, I'm going to have one out today. Savage beatings on the um, subways in New York. Crime going up everywhere. And red state Republicans, Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee. There's something wrong with Tennessee. Says we need to empty the prisons.
1: He said that a couple of months ago. What is wrong
0: with us? This stuff is not... Th- th- See, I'm not just giving you policy suggestions and philosophical civilization arguments, but electorally and politically, the American people, if there's one thing like Republican and Democrat voters, not the elites, but voters agree on, it's hatred for the Saudis. Trump could corner the Democrats. Hey, you don't like MBS? Again, not that this is a bad MBS, but you don't like him? All right. How about a moratorium on
1: immigration from there? We have an NDAA
0: coming up. We have a budget bill. We have no vision on a single issue. But again, two things you can do. Remember, call up in your county government, your county commissioners, your mayors. Get get through to your governor. Say no to refugee resettlement. Focus on Americans first. Number two, this bill, S-2641, which is going to get a markup in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Allegedly with Republicans in charge. Call them up and say, have you learned nothing from what happened in Pensacola? Ultimately, the question is this. How many more lives need to be lost before it becomes fashionable to stop importing mass, mass numbers from the Middle East? I don't know the answer to that. And I would imagine most people in this country understand it. But both political parties are bankrupt, and that includes President Trump. If you don't get in his face, you are not going to see very good action because it's not just the deep state. It's the shallow state, Mark Esper, the cabinet appointees that are problematic even three years into this administration. And it's all because there's no guidance. There's nobody guiding him. There's nobody pressuring him. The pressure he gets is from one direction. And whether it takes them a day to convince him, a week or a month, the swamp will win every time, all the time, absolutely as they did with the terrorist designation of the Mexican cartels. It's another big issue we'll get into hopefully later this week until we get activated. I don't know how to get people off this morphine. This is, this is the worst it's been in my career. No issue matters anymore. I mean, this is how we had the biggest Islamic terror attack since 9 11. Remember that Uzbeki guy that ran people over in Manhattan uh, two years ago with Republicans in charge of three branches of government? He came here on a diversity visa lottery. That was a slam dunk reform. We should have gotten under Trump nothing. And I suspect, I doubt we're even that end this military training program much less have a moratorium on immigration which we really should but those are the facts laid bare that's the best i can do for you for now um help me out with this help me out with research i mean i'm just one man let's build a movement let's send this show around to 50 of your friends neighbors relatives none of this is even partisan both parties suck It's not about Trump or Obama, this is so much bigger than that. This is about a Soros movement on the outside. This is about a broken political class in our military, in the Pentagon, in the State Department, at DHS, that view national security as doing for other countries, but not doing for our own homeland. It doesn't have to be this way, nor should it, if we stay focused, stay knowledgeable, and stay empowered. Till tomorrow, thank you all for listening and God bless.